Conventional conventionists. Thank you for tuning your dial to Time Warp Radio, the Rocky Horror Picture Show movie by minute podcast, where with each seven minutes, ba ba ba, we can make you a fan. I'm Haley Mervini. And I'm Katie Tomney. And we are your resident criminologists on all things Rocky Horror. Today we are discussing timestamps hour 1 minute 16 second 32 to hour 1 minute 23 second 20. I don't I don't think there's much other to say than we're ready for the floor show. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love this scene so much. Me too. Honestly, the floor show is probably like, my favorite part of the movie. It's probably the best part of the movie. It's like the... Well, no. All of it's good. <laughs> but, like, all of this and a floor show, Ugh. it's... It, it's <sighs> Let's do it. There is a curtain opening transition wipe, which I know we talk about the transitions all of the time, but this is a reveal... To a reveal, to a reveal, you know? <laughs> and editing is something that, like, if a if an editor's doing his job well, you don't notice the transitions. Mm-hmm. Like, it's seamless. It feels like your perspective. And, like, if you were sitting in the room and you were turning your head and it's, like, the, the kind of motion of, like, blinking. Yeah. Like, that's what an editor wants to do. But... These transitions are just so otherworldly that it also kind of lends to the alien nature of them, you know? (laughs) We see this grand ballroom, which we've seen before. It's a red velvet curtain with gold filigree along the bottom. And uh, white and red striped beach chairs. Yeah. Lined up in rows uh for an audience of who we don't know (laughs) and uh there's a middle aisle that's sectioned off with velvet ropes and stanchions the the two glowing green-eyed griffins are back they are but like i don't know if it's just the perspective or if it's just me but like this stage looks so much huger (laughs) Than the one Frank was on in Sweet Tea. I agree. I definitely feel like... Did this... they construct a bigger stage? I think so. I think that this is like a completely new environment that's just like reminiscent of the previous environment. Because that would explain why when they set this ballroom up, it's meticulously like the ballroom in Time Warp with those beach chairs added like you still have columbia's jukebox in the corner you still have the whole weird spread of transylvanian food (laughs) on a banquet table in the back so like yeah they definitely 
Because this stage is huge for them to then hold the pool behind it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> the music. Like, it's just... And, like, everyone starts... You feel it in, like, the seats of the theater. Like, ooh, something's starting. You can feel the energy rising. And it's also, like... I don't know, like, how would you describe the music in, like, Moulin Rouge? Like, I want to say, like, va va me <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. Know. It's, like, it's so over the top. It's got those horns, so it's, like, really flashy, the song. <laughs> and uh, so begins Rose Tints My World, the first in a three-part floor show, which I think it's my personal fave of of the three parts. Music and lyrics by Richard O'Brien, with arrangements by Richard Hartley in the key of D major. At least it starts that way. It'll do a key change after uh, Columbia does her verse. But this song is just like total fan service to every single audience member. Like we're totally being rewarded for watching this whole strange movie. (laughs) And now we're going to get to see some like gorgeous people, striptease and burlesque. And it's guaranteed to turn someone on. Like all of them have different bodies. Brad's like, if you're into like the tall lean type, or if you're like, into gals that are more voluptuous, you can be into Columbia, you know? Or if you're into the muscle men, you've got Rocky, mm-hmm. sweet, sultry eye candy. <laughs> and then, of course, there's Janet, who has, like, the big curled hair mm-hmm. and, like, those hips to die for. Mm-hmm. And she's walking like it's a catwalk, like... It's like a bedroom walk. Like, you know, like she's totally seducing you through the the screen. Absolutely. To what level do you feel like this is, uh, like, a play on the trope Perilous Play? Where they've been captured by Frankenfurter and now he's like, sing and dance for me, monkeys? I totally always have gotten that vibe where he's like kind of the puppet master and he's got them like on strings. Okay, yes. Because I also am curious to what level they are in control of their limbs. (laughs) But we'll get to it. This grand stage, we just, like we are part of the audience, we get that like introduction. Now we get taken backstage to Frankenfurter, who it seems like he's, like, late. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's doing last-minute... Adjustments. Yes. Additions. (laughs) And we see the back of Brad's Medusa statue form. Um, His punch pose. (laughs) Frank tosses a boa over his shoulders and then pushes a trolley with... Like a couple of gift bags. They're striped. They're red, white, and blue. Yeah. 
I I don't know if that's where the bows were coming from, but like you know, he's push he's pushing a cart with stuff on it, and he also has his hair in <laughs> like the top half is like scrunchied with this pink fabric, this really sheer pink fabric, mm-hmm. and then the rest of his hair is in curlers. Yeah, like rollers. <laughs> he what time does he have to get ready? What he's is he got doing? The whole floor show. No, he's at the Medusa machine the whole time. Is he? Oh, okay, okay. I, I, we're gonna get to it. I have an idea. Anyway, he is pushing the trolley past Rocky, and then like really absentmindedly powders Rocky's face with just like a powder bag he has hanging off of his shoulder. Frank is like he, the. There's nothing to add to them. They're already like totally dressed to the nines in these sequined corsets and garter belts with these red they're like satin I think minor satin minor satin they're like scrunched red satin like ribbon garter belts yeah and they're in their fishnets and Frank makes a face at Janet as he walks past her like, sticks his tongue out, yeah. <laughs> and he gets to Dr. Scott, and he just kind of, like, waves his hand at him, like, we'll get to you. I don't care about you right now. He turns to look at the lighting board, which, if you look at that whole wall, there's, like, a bunch of other control panels and, like, switches and stuff mm-hmm. to the left that are totally cobwebbed over. So he doesn't use that very often, but like this segment of the control panel, it looks like gets a fair amount of use. I mean, yeah, it looks a lot more in use than the other section. So and then there's also a mirror with stage lights around it. So Frank must be getting ready at that mirror as (laughs) everybody's getting demedusaed. In between. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He looks at this control panel, and it has the Transylvanian sigil on it. Yeah, the lightning bolt. Okay. So does that mean, like, they've been harnessing electricity for the floor show? Maybe. Are they broadcasting the floor show back to Transylvania? Yeah, it's The Bachelor. (laughs) That's totally my thought. Really, (laughs) like, they are talking about an audio vibratory physiomolecular device. Yes. And if they're recording and live streaming and broadcasting this back to a television screen of yours or mine, well, he swats at these light switches and there's... Like a couple of rows of red and green lights, and then like buttons and light switches. Mm-hmm. But none of it matters because he just like hits them and they work. <laughs> I know, he just like slaps at them. <laughs> Do the thing. <laughs> uh, but Frank is also wearing a like, it looks like shaving cream. All over his face. Yeah. It's like, um, it reminds me of, like, cold cream. Ooh, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, that's more the texture. That's a good comparison. Because then I was also thinking, like, maybe a clay mask. Mm. Hashtag self-care. You know, <laughs> it's very important. Because then, like, we haven't seen them de-Medusa yet. But the rest of the gang have the white face paint mm-hmm. on. So I didn't know if this was Frank uh, foreshadowing their own face paint that they're going to have. Maybe. I don't know. Dr. Scott is not included in the floor show. He's like, no, I don't want you in this part of the show. You can not. (laughs) Did they put on Dr. Scott's fishnets? See, we attempted to answer this last week. (laughs) And I still feel like he probably had them on because... His blanket is medusa on his lap. Yes. And he's so comically, like his clothes have been put back on him because he was Medusa'd, nudified. Yes. Shirtless. And then now he has the button-up shirt back on, the tie back on, and the jacket like thrown loosely around his shoulders. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they, I don't think they did Yeah. I like thinking that Dr. Scott has been wearing fishnets all along all these years. (laughs) The whole time. The whole time. After Frank does his smacking of the light control panel, we cut back out to the ballroom. We see the footlights start to glow on the curtain. Mm -hmm. The music is ramping up. We're getting excited. It's like... Love it. And then the curtains open to reveal the statues standing in front of silver drapes. They are... This image... You only see them all as a statue for like a moment because then Columbia gets Mm -hmm. demedusaed. But I love all of those like behind the scenes photos. Of them, like, hanging around there. They're so cute. (laughs) Their own statues. It's bizarre, too. I just... I need to know... I want photos of them getting the statues, like, made. Like, I want to see them being, like... Because I think they were, like, casted. You know what I mean? Like, I think Um, that they... Did a form. Yeah. But I want to. I want to see. I want to see how they did it. There's gotta be like. There's gotta be photos there somewhere. They're just sitting on it at Fox. They're <laughs> waiting until like the hundredth anniversary to be like, oh, all these years we told you there was no Rocky footage. Psych. Give me the footage. Give us the footage. <laughs> these statues standing in front of the curtain, like. It's like when you go to a band and the opening act is in front of the bigger curtain. Like it's going to you... reveal the set for the main performance. Yeah. yeah, so you know already, like, this is going to be sexy and fun, but it's not even the headline act. Yes. Because Frank needs a curtain reveal, too. It wouldn't <laughs> be the same if he just, like, walked on stage. And it's not, it wouldn't even be the same if they just opened the curtain to him just standing there behind it. Like, it's so fitting that he's so far away when the curtain opens. 
Um, but he's not even there yet. We're not even there yet. He's still backstage. After we see all of the statues, uh, we get Frank's glove coming into the scene and flipping the Medusa switch, which there are two of them in the castle then. Yes. There's one in the lab and there's one here. So that means that this is a plan. Right? Like, this has been done before, I'm assuming. Because, well, I'm curious, could they have medused them during, like, sweet tea? Hmm. If, like, the Medusa machine works in the ballroom, could they have just been, like... Is one only for medusaing and one only for demedusaing? You know what I mean? I need, I need Richard O'Brien to explain this science to me. <laughs> I just need him to... I need to know how many times you can be un and re medusid. Maybe you have to be in that room. You have to be in the lab. Yeah, so like to be medusid, you have to be in the lab and to be demedusid, you have to be in the ballroom. It's like a clue thing. <laughs> <laughs> Only the secret passageways work in the corners of the board. Exactly. <laughs> so Frank does his D-Medusa. We cut back to Columbia, who is wearing a purple face mask. Yeah, so it's like a oval around her face mm-hmm. that's all white, and then the border is purple, and it's purple eye shadow that goes from her, like, Right under her eyes to up to her eyebrows, mm-hmm. and then her lips are red. And I think her introducing the number is just perfect because she she's got that high energy and that oh my fun gosh, voice no. has so <laughs> much energy still today. Even yes. like yes, she just kicks this number off. She pops her boa up in the air. At the same time as the like drum beat drops, mm-hmm. so it really like punches that moment, and this is just the most fun to shadow cast. If I'm being totally honest, like I think I yes. was lying when I said Tetra was my favorite <laughs> because, like, I think Floor Show is secretly why Janet's, Brad's, Rockies, and Columbia's join shadow casting. Is because it's like, whoa. They want to be in the fishnets. I want to do the fishnets, yeah. <laughs> I want to do the kick line. I want to do the boas. Oh my gosh, Well, because I mean, even in like um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, they show the very beginning of the show mm-hmm. with Riff Raff. Hi, Jordan. And they show the floor show. Mm-hmm. And that's like all of Rocky Horror that you get to see. It's just the very beginning and the floor show. And it's so straight to the point. Like, you can, uh, I just cannot more highly recommend the pause play feature on, um, like, the Apple TV watching this. <laughs> pause. Pause. Because you can learn the choreography and then getting it right and having it be screen accurate just makes it, like, that umph better. I don't know. I love doing the screen accurate choreography. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, I just think, and Brad and Rocky do have choreography, even yes. though the girls are more polished. Right. 
there's still a method to the madness for the men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love a Brad that does the step ball change. <laughs> <laughs> the choreography is obviously David Tagori, and it's so cabaret. Mm-hmm. It's so um, like red light Amsterdam, red light district. You know, it's so like, it feels fringy, but also like very accessible. It feels like, you know, in, I think it's Chicago, where they do the backlighting and you just have like the performers in those boxes and it's just the red backlighting and then their silhouettes and you see them moving and dancing. That's what this feels like. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh, because they're so sexy. Yes. <sighs> Columbia begins singing. It was great when it all began. I was a regular Frankie regular? fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it was over when he had the plan to start working on a muscle man. And this camera angle is so just, it feels sleazy because you feel like you're sitting in the front row of a burlesque that you're looking up at them doing their striptease mm-hmm. uh because the camera's tilted up looking at them on stage and poor columbia things have just been going continually downhill from the second she met frank i know poor thing this is basically her summarizing her experiencing the break the cutie trope mm-hmm. you know like I was so, I was having a normal life. <laughs> and then look at where I am now. <laughs> Poor thing. Poor thing. <laughs> Does she, okay, her saying she was a regular Frankie fan, do you think that she doesn't know that they're aliens? You see, I still can't decide on that because it's like she spent so much time with them, she had to have seen something. But maybe she just like thought she was high or like the whole normalized time. it. Yeah, like, like nobody else is because okay, Brad and Janet don't react to Eddie getting murdered. Yeah, even though Columbia is having a reaction that they could uh, empathize with and they could have reacted like Columbia was. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we don't get any shots of Brad and Janet reacting to Eddie. So, like, I really have no idea how they were taking that yeah i don't know how they kind of forget that that happens altogether that's how distracted they are man but i don't think columbia like i think she was so in love with frank that the weird things that were like red flags she just wrote them (laughs) off she was like oh he's quirky (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know if she also started reconsidering her loyalty to Frank. If it was when he, perf- if, if it was when he suggested performing brain surgery on Eddie. Or when he just did it. I don't yeah. know where she was like, I'm not cool with this anymore. Yeah, because she said it was over when he had the plan <laughs> to start working on a muscle man. So it's like, hmm... She might have started falling off this uh, Frank train. Mm. Yeah, because she also said Frank spurned her for Eddie. 
I think that she loves Frank more than she loves Eddie. I think that she's infatuated with Frank. Well, she says in Eddie's Teddy that she very nearly loved Eddie, but then she so emphatically states to Frank that she loved him, and if he didn't hear her, uh, don't worry, she will tell him again. (laughs) And I don't know if that's like... Because then I started to think about the term groupie in the sense of like her being Frank's ex and like being like, oh yeah, I'm cool being friends. Yeah, we can just be friends. And like actually hoping that he's going to be like, we can get back together. I've always taken it in like the Richard Ramirez way of like, you know, (laughs) love lockdown where it's like every girl always falls for the bad guy. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. She seems like she, well, do you think Columbia was looking for change when she got picked up off the street? Yeah. I feel like this offered her just a completely different experience that she'd never had before, and she was into it. <sighs> her poor fate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this, her choreography here too, because she's... Um, doing like a shimmy walk. Mm-hmm. She's doing her tiny little step step shimmy walk thing. But it's going so perfectly with the trill that the piano is doing. So it's kind of like she's like dancing on the keys. Oh, it's so nice. You know? Ugh. Ugh. And she continues. Now the only thing that gives me hope is my love of a certain dope. Rose tints my world and keeps me safe from my trouble and pain. Love of a certain dope named who? Frank? Eddie? Heroin? Yeah, I've never been able to figure out who she's talking about or what she's talking about in this song. Because she could be talking about, like, I was thinking if she's been hanging out at this castle and she's just waiting for Eddie to come pick her back up. Mm Mm-hmm. And... It's really like the fact of the matter is that Columbia doesn't drive. She doesn't have a car. She doesn't have a way of leaving the castle. And her only hope for leaving the castle was Eddie picking her up and taking her out of there. And he was dinner. So, like, now what hope does she have of ever leaving now? Yeah, she's stuck. Because it's also, or she could be like, I'm so hooked on heroin that, like, that's all that's keeping her alive. The fogginess, mm-hmm. the brain fog mm-hmm. is keeping her from her trouble and pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we go from the tilted up camera angle to a close up, and she does her. It's all just so tasteful. Like, we're getting little bits and pieces of uh like skin getting revealed to us Mm -hmm. and she turns around and does her classic nail nip slip and then moves across the stage uh with all of the statues behind her she does a cute little her little shoulder shimmy that she does in time warp Mm -hmm. it reprises here Uh uh-huh even like her nip slip was kind of tastefully foreshadowed too Mm -hmm. because she had the a peekaboo moment in her rant. Mm-hmm. So, like, for even the most prudish of audience members that were like, oh, 
nipples. I don't want to see female nipples. <laughs> like you got like one of them in the last scene. And then you got all of the statues nudified. Yes. So like, it's funny because that, I always think that they end up more naked than they are. But it's just because the Medusa statues are actually are naked. Actually naked. <laughs> but like, we never actually see Janet totally naked. We never see Brad totally naked. We see Columbia's nipples. We see Frank's nipples. We see Rocky's nipples. We see one of Brad's nipples. We see lots of Rocky's nipples. Mm -hmm. None (laughs) of his belly button, though. (laughs) Um, Who do you think Columbia thinks they're performing to? See, this is where I think the puppet master thing comes in. Like, I don't think that they have really full control over what they're doing. I think that this has all been kind of orchestrated. Yeah. I could also believe Columbia being like, oh, this is a rehearsal. Hmm. You know? like She's a showgirl. We rehearsed Time Warp earlier. That's why she was so disappointed when she fell on the rug. Because dress she was rehearsal, like, man. Dang it, we had a dress rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> but Columbia introduces the idea of rose tinting my world, which is the idiomatic expression of seeing the world through rose-colored lenses. And it's usually that someone's just such an optimist. They're naive and they have a tendency of viewing past events in an often unrealistic or an overly positive light. Or it could also mean using drugs to get through a hard time. So you're only seeing the good and refusing or like are straight up unable to see the bad parts. A life? I remember the very first time I had ever heard of like rose tinted lenses was an episode of it was either Sabrina the Teenage Witch or it was the Ooh. Sabrina the Animated Series. It was one of those two. And like the one of the witches had created literal rose tinted mm. glasses. And yes, I know what you're talking about. So Sabrina would wear them and like would only ever be happy and there was some moral standpoint to the episode i don't know but i was like oh that's interesting and then this song came up a couple years later and i was like i know what that means yeah because it's um i think you have to have like a gradient rose tint in your glasses yes like you should be wearing glasses for general eye protection and then they (laughs) should have a pink gradient tint on it so you're like I can kind of see like more positive to this situation than negative, but in their cases, they're completely like engulfed. doped out of their mind. They are engulfed in rose tint. Yeah, they've given over to pleasure. Uh, maybe not absolutely yet. We cut back after Columbia finishes her verse to Frank's pink gloved hand again pulling the D Medusa switch. Frank is watching this, possibly, like, this might be his dream show, but he's watching it from the wings. As all great directors do. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) He has to be a part of it. Like, he knows he doesn't want to just be, like, an audience member. So I guess he has to be in the wings. But could he have not demeduced them all at once? No, that's not dramatic enough. 
He needs the drama. <laughs> um, I also, because then he's also, like, rushing to get ready, but, like, there's no audience there. Like, who are they rushing to get, like, curtain on time for if Frank wasn't ready to go? Unless he can just shapeshift into being ready. <gasps> Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, what's, yeah. Any... <laughs> Because he has, Any? like, that uh, black robe on. So, like, he might have the costume on just underneath there. Ooh, speaking of, that black robe has a gold dragon on the back. We love dragons. It's so ridiculous. Because you only see it for a frame when he's doing that first, like, light smacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody ever shadow casts that look either. I have a robe that I use for Brad. Because it's a beautiful blue, and it's got, like, the floral stuff on it. The butterflies. Similar to Brad's. It's Mm -hmm. not perfect, but it works. But it's reversible. Ooh. And guess what's on the other side? Is it black satin? It's black satin, and it has embroidery on it. Does it? I think it's a dragon, honestly. No way. I think it is. So it's, like, Brad on one side, Frankie on the other. I mean, that's a really good way to... I mean... You'd, that would be con-casting. Yeah. Like, there's no reason you would do this Frank look no. unless you were Oh my god, but how great would it be to just be casted as the Frank with cold cream on his face? <laughs> That's the only part of the show that I'd do. And the, the hair. You the gotta hair, have yeah. the wig with the rollers. The rollers on the bottom, mm-hmm. and then the pink satin, or the pink sheer yep. up on the top. The cold cream on the face, the robe, and the pink gloves. Perfect. Yeah. That's also a, that'd be a great Halloween costume. <laughs> no one would get it. No. But then you'd be like, I'm from Rocky Horror. And they'd be like, what? And Where? And you'd be like, yeah, watch the movie. It's there. And they're like, no, it's not. And you're like, yeah, just you wait. <laughs> and then they have Frank to watch the whole movie. Six seconds of the film. <laughs> I think he's also running all of the light and sound on his own because Riff and Magenta are not helping. They did not help him prepare. No, they're for the pissed fortune. at this point. They're like, I hate you. No, they're getting, they're doing their own cha- quick exactly. change. For t- yeah, they're like, exactly. Riff's they're like, like, I need to get my hair into a banana shape. <laughs> they're like, I'm This takes at least done. six minutes. I'm over Frank's bowl. <laughs> I will not participate in this floor show. I'm getting ready for my own. Goodbye. But do you think they would have if Frank had said, like, hey, Riff Magenta, do you want to be part of the kick line? No. Do you think he ever did? No. I think Riff would probably have done it if Frank had asked. He would have been like, no, I don't want to do it. And then, like, the Friday before they were planning to do it, he'd be like, hey, is there still, like, a spot that that I could... If you haven't filled it already... (laughs) I'll, I'll still do it. And Frank is secretly like, yeah, I had you pegged the whole time. Like, I knew you were going to do this. Um, maybe it could have been that little moment of, oh, maybe he does like me. Exactly. <laughs> All Frank had to do was ask him to do the floor show the one time. Just once. Once. We're back into the scene where Rocky's statue has come to life. Uh, the camera tracks as he moves forward across the stage. Do you have any... Thoughts on why they're getting demeduced in this order? I mean, it has to end in Janet. Yeah. 
because Janet has had the most drastic transformation. So Janet has to be the final one. And I think it's just... um, Columbia was an early adopter? I think it might be like in varying degrees of their awakenings, you know? So like Columbia, yeah, she might have been awakened to a few things, but I think that she has changed the least out of these four characters. Yeah, because she's still... She's still a Frankie fan. She says that it's that it was over, but like it's not over. She still dies for him. It's not over. It's not over for her. With Rocky's verse, we also get a key change, <laughs> to C major, and Rocky begins his choreo, which you know seems basic to 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 the human eye. Uh, <laughs> But it's very fitting for his character because he's, as he's about to say, he's a newborn and he's never been in heels. So, like, I'm okay with Peter Hinwood not being a trained dancer in heels, but I also believe that Rocky has trouble doing choreography in heels. Um, At this point in the commentary, Patricia talks to Richard about how Like, no matter where she goes, everywhere she goes, people of all different... Walks of life. Walks of life. Every different (laughs) type of person will approach her and tell her that they've done Rocky Horror. They've done fishnets. (laughs) Yes, they've done fishnets. And it's so sweet because then she turns to Richard and she goes, What did you do, Richard? (laughs) And she's so... A part of it she's like it's just as much her life story as tim's and nell's and richard's you know yeah rocky starts well he does sing because it's trevor white singing yes he sings i'm just seven hours old truly beautiful to behold and somebody should be told my libido hasn't been controlled He's in blue lighting with a blue mask. Mm-hmm. And only seven days to be made, but only seven hours to be destroyed. Poor baby. It's nuts because the whole movie takes place over the course of just seven hours. A little bit over seven hours. We start We start before we get to uh, Rocky. Yes, you're right. Because Rocky is born during the events of the film. But I would say like 12 hours. That's such a... Okay, so it's a trope. The extremely short time span. Where in films, it's when like the events of the film take place over three days or less. So for this to be such a very unusual, unusually short time span. Mm -hmm. Like it reinforces the themes of... How quickly you can start questioning your sexuality, how quickly you can be de-virginized, how quickly you can be convinced to... uh, Change your life. Change your life, yeah. (laughs) Accept other ideologies, totally, yeah. And this floor show makeup Mm -hmm. is not a regular feature of a shadow cast. No, so... This makeup is Pierre LaRoche, again, um, 
incredible makeup artist responsible for most of the iconic Bowie looks. He did these, what he referred to as Transylvanian masks. Well, okay, we didn't know that's what they were called forever. Right. And then Peter Hinwood posts an Instagram one day calling them Transylvanian masks. Which I'm, like, so into. It's such a cool word. <laughs> like, a cool, like, term for Title, it. yeah. Yeah, because it's like, okay, then I started thinking, what if that's what Transylvanians look like on their home planet? Mm-hmm. You know? And then I started thinking, what if they look like Greek statues? And that's why Frank keeps collecting all of these Greek statues around the house to remind him of home. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. I think that's really, like, sweet. Because if it's a utopia, too, like... Of course everyone's perfect looking. Yeah, exactly. It'd be the the fittest of the fit. And maybe that's also why they're having, like, fertility problems. Is that it's, like, their their species has become like so evolved to evolved even <laughs> but yeah this uh these makeup looks we really only get to do them in our cast at least during our special shows where we do con casting and we have separate people cast for specifically the floor show because it does take a little bit of time to get that opaque white on there's your face. no way you're doing that in crim's monologue i've definitely done just the purple border and the purple eyes oh that's nice where it's like you don't have the white on but it still gives the effect and you can do that pretty quickly um if you have they have like these big like crayons basically <gasps> yeah. like makeup crayons so if you can find one in a good color, like which glitter purple, glitter it's blue, it's really hard to find them in the appropriate colors. But if you can find them, it's really, really convenient to have where you can just do a quick circle around your face and block out your eyes and slap some red lipstick on. Because it's such a, a look. And I don't know, I'm like partial I'm part, I, like, I get the appeal of doing it for con casting, but it's also really jarring to see different performers. Mm-hmm. So, like, I like it when it's, like, uh, con casting and every single scene has been a different yeah. Janet, a different Brad, a different Frank. Yeah. So that way when you get to floor show, it's like, oh, cool, they're in the full floor show, head to toe, makeup and all. But yeah, I, that, oh my gosh, to think to have to put that whole, that on, on top of like putting my, well, honestly, my I think, stuff on. I think Got Mix says it best. It is so hard to get the white face makeup opaque enough that it looks like white face makeup. It, mm. You don't just look like you slapped some like powder on your face because it gets weird and like chalky. You kind of have to build up a couple layers of it. Mm-hmm. So it does take a little bit of time to apply it correctly. But if you can do it, good on you, man. Because it's fun, too. Because it's very fun. Then there are people that love the con casting, and it's like, what? I've never seen that. I've never seen the, the foursome in the full face paint. And, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. 
I was thinking too that Frank and Magenta and Riff Raff are quite pale. And they do kind of do a, a white face paint. Yeah. You know, like that made me think of Greek statues too. Yeah, totally. Um, we could be on to something. Well, th- I'm thinking about it. We'll th- <laughs> I just, like, if then that's the case, I w- when they fall into the pool after the takeover, mm-hmm. I want them to turn back into statues <laughs> because they've been electrified again and now they're in water again. So, like, return to whatever state Rocky was in originally. Mm. I just want the strange science to make sense. I need it to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. Never gonna happen. We don't get that. <laughs> I was also thinking that Rocky says his libido hasn't been controlled. Well, yeah. Frank made him as like a, a sex machine. So of mm-hmm. course his libido isn't controlled. Well, okay. Is Rocky then maybe like a weird Transylvanian sex robot that like Frank's plan was to get him to stay and then just keep impregnating women as long as he can? I don't think that that was the intention at all. I think it was that Rocky was made for Frank. Okay. And that Frank didn't think of the repercussions of making just a horny sex doll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because imagine if he did get loose. Ugh. Then it would be mayhem. It would be like, because he hasn't been controlled, he would go um, wild, <laughs> to say the least. He continues, now the only thing I've come to trust is an orgasmic rush of lust. He takes his bow from his neck and straddles it. He says, rose tints my world, keeps me safe from my trouble and pain. As he humps from one side to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> We get an ultra close-up of that uh, bouncing package that pans up his body. And he doesn't know how to process his lust or emotions because he's... Seven hours old. Seven hours old. Yeah, and I think in his case, like, being exposed to sexual pleasure at such a, quote, young age has negatively affected his ability to function. But, like, what was his... What was his purpose? You know, it's like if Siri became sentient, it's like Rocky's like, oh, I don't know what to do. All I want to do is hump. And it's like, great, then you know your purpose. Can you can you do it, robot? Thank you for your service. I just feel so bad for him. Like, if you're going to make basically AI and then their only purpose is bonin <laughs> like that's just not it's weird it's sad it's weird i don't know there's there's it's already happening it's already happening in the world there's already sex dolls in the world that are Ugh. like very humanoid yeah it's i mean i don't own one they may be magical i don't i can't make a comment on that. <laughs> uh he repeated columbia's rose tint line what are like some of their shared characteristics that you think he's 
repeating her? Do you think he just like heard her lyrics and he was like, yeah, that sounds the same for me. I'm also being overly positive about this situation because he doesn't know what else to do. He doesn't know how else to process this information. Well, he's doomed to fail if his, if his reason for creation is to just have an uncontrolled libido. Yeah. He like, I don't think that Frank ever had a plan for Rocky as a person, as a living being besides bone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that he had any livingness planned for him besides you're going to be my sex slave. Did he think that he was going to stay chained up in the bridal suite forever? Seriously. Like, I don't understand what the thought process was behind. Or, like, how, what's his expiration date? How long is Rocky good for? Until he's not satisfying Frank anymore. Then does he have, like, an on-off switch? Aww. Like, I'm very curious what Frank was planning on, if if he was planning on releasing Rocky into the wild, you know? It, what, as soon as he's done testing for quality assurance to make sure that the erections last longer than four hours, <laughs> then he sends him out to impregnate a bunch of the female species. Ugh. You know? I don't like it. <laughs> Makes me sad. <laughs> it's icky. <laughs> We cut back to Frank's pink-gloved hand again, pulling down the D-Medusa switch and switching it back up. We cut back to Brad's statue coming to life. He sings, It's beyond me. Help me, mommy. I'll be good, you'll see. Take this dream away, yay, 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 yay. (laughs) This dream and this boa. (laughs) Take them both away. He's in red lighting with a red Transylvanian mask. And this has just flown completely out of Brad's control. He has no idea yeah. what's happening here anymore. <laughs> oh, how do I feel about this? How he do I do this? What am I doing here? I don't just know. Just so overwhelmed. I don't know if he's like, if this is like a sunken place situation where he can see his body performing the actions and he's calling from a sunken place of like, help because we are immobilized and totally being puppeteered um or if he's like just going through the mental processing of what his sexuality might be yeah i've always thought that it was like brad's verse specifically i've always thought that it was like him coming to terms with the fact that he's questioning Mm -hmm. because he hasn't come to an answer You know, like, Janet has truly found herself by the end of this. Like, Mm -hmm. she's found what she wants. She's found her sexuality. She's found her empowerment. Mm -hmm. But Brad hasn't. He's opened the door to all of these questions and doesn't have any answers. Anything that he thought he was certain of in the past, it's all being pulled up into question now. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's, like, literally pleading with his maker to rid him of this, like, waking nightmare that he's in. Yeah. And he's bartering and promising to be better and straighten up. Or straighten out, maybe. Yeah. Um, Do you think this is uh, defining 
how Brad acts in shock treatment? I think that if we are to assume that Brad and Janet are the same Brad and Janet in shock treatment, mm-hmm. that this is the start of his like mental break. Poor guy. Because he's teetering on those heels like a newborn calf mm-hmm. and throwing his limbs awkwardly in every direction. But, again, the choreo is lining up perfectly with the like syncopation of the beats. Mm-hmm. And even though it looks sloppy, it is not. He does a step ball change. And very wide steps. And like a cute little dip. Like, it's... It's Barry in heels. Like, I can appreciate it because he's a Broadway actor. So I know they gave him choreography that he he was capable of doing. Yeah. He has long arms. He has long legs. He is a long man. But he, when he says, help me, mommy, he brings his arms in, directioning to him. Like, and he spins. He's doing choreography. Totally. Uh, But he also might be controlled by external forces. His rhyming scheme in this verse has reduced Mm -hmm. to variations on the word me and see. Yeah, he's regressing. Mm -hmm. Definitely some uh, of the Freudian concept, infantile regression, the defense mechanism leading to the temporary or long-term reversion of the ego to an earlier state of development rather than handling their childlike impulses in a more adaptive way, a more human way. Or is it not human? I mean, it's very, very human. Yeah. It's very human. That's the thing. And it's, it's funny to me because it's the same type of rhyming scheme that we saw in uh, Damn It, Janet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, very basic. Whenever Brad feels out of control, he reverts to this, like, very, like, simplified state of being. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Because I'm confused, too, because he calls out for his mother as a grown adult man to, like, help him navigate this confusion about his sexuality when, like, his fiance is standing right there. And he doesn't call out to Janet Help me, Janet. It would work. No. (laughs) No, it's that he has mommy issues. Yes. Totally. And that's why he's not able to communicate to Janet, I guess. Or anyone. Because he wants his mother to pull it out of him, I guess. Or to make his decisions for him. Yeah. Yeah. Help me mommy make this decision. I don't know if I'm straight or if I'm gay. Yeah? Yeah. Um, While he's walking across, sauntering, wide sidestepping across (laughs) stage, we get a change in the camera angle to be behind him. And so we can see the full empty ballroom with uh, that like banquet table with all the weird Transylvanian food still being served. Brad spins and falls to the stage. He says, What's this? Let's see. He sticks his leg up in the air. I feel sexy. (laughs) What's come over me? Woo! Here it comes again. 
He's so good. Because he is in... They're just also... Like, okay, we were saying... We were talking about this with one of our friends the other day. About how, like, I feel sometimes like I'm overly fangirling and I'm having trouble, like, finding the vocabulary to say that they're perfect and, like, their facial expressions are perfect and iconic, but it's because they are, like... There can be no other person to take this role. There are shadow casts everywhere across the world that strive to perfect a recreation of these performances, and... Like, yeah, Barry's faces are perfect in this. He goes from being very concerned, very scared, to when he's, like, stroking his leg. He's, like, enjoying it. He likes to stretch. And I also believe that he is totally questioning uh, the reality around him. Mm -hmm. He seems genuinely confused by what is like maybe intermittent waves of this drug yeah it like comes in and out so what does the sonic transducer do like were they experiencing some kind of drug effect when they were being when they were medusa'd yeah i want to know if when frank medusa'd them if that's when like control was taken you know what i mean like Mm. Are they in control of their own bodies still? Are they um, puppets? Are they uh, being influenced by another, like, outside force? Mm-hmm. Uh, what long-term effect does medusing have on them? Ooh, that's interesting, because what if, like, I don't know, what if they could get remeduced somewhere else? Like, it's just like they get, I don't know. I want it to make sense, Katie. I keep trying to make it make sense. And it's just... <laughs> if Brad would just give himself over a little bit to, pl- to pleasure, uh, he finds and acknowledges that wearing women's lingerie and fishnets and heels make him actually feel sexy. Yes. Um, so does that mean that Brad is embracing his sexuality no matter how confused it might make him? I mean, hopefully. I have a soft spot for brad and i always have and every time i watch the movie i just like i know how it's gonna end i know how it goes i know every second of this stupid movie (laughs) but you always hope for a happier outcome for brad because i i feel like janet does get a happy ending you know yeah she's not as devastated by the events and and she finds a bit of herself. She finds some strength. Yeah. Yeah, and and for Brad it's it almost feels like hopelessness. And I I every time I watch it I always just hope for a little bit of something. You forget how it ends. You're like, "Please change. Please, please change. just make it. Please can he be can he talk to Janet this week? No. Maybe. Never. Just uh, a little bit. He's never going to talk to her about any of their any of his prop. No. None of his problems. Nothing. No. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> he doesn't say anything about rose tints, but he's not he didn't have the rose tinted experience in the bedroom either. But I mean, he also says, "Woo, here it comes again." 
Is he okay. talking about the rose tint? Does it come in and out for him? Ooh. Is that what makes him feel sexy is the rose tint? I mean, a rose tint would make me feel sexy. Same. <laughs> After he's like shaking with this wave coming over him, we cut back to Frank's gloved hand again pulling down the D-Medusa switch and back up. We are now back at Janet's statue that's come to life. And she is like a total sex goddess. Yes. And is a hundred percent making this a burlesque show. She has like a greenish blue Transylvanian mask on. A lot of people do it as just blue, but it is like a greenish blue. Sure. All of them have different colors. Hers is green, but it's kind of more of a teal. Sure. If we're being honest. And then the lighting in the background is like a gradient pink blue. Mm-hmm. She seems pretty aware of what's happening. More so than like... I well, they're all kind of aware of what's happening, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I, I don't know that she would be more aware. I think that she is more accepting of what's happening. Yeah. And I think that, like, her... So Janet making this a burlesque moment, I think, is what makes the whole floor show feel like a burlesque. And then that, too, makes shadow casting feel like a drag show. And it's so close to performing burlesque, and we have so many performers that also perform burlesque. Yes. So it's like, wow, you get your money's worth in this <laughs> floor show. She rolls and stretches her neck and tosses her hair out. She says, oh, I feel released. Bad times deceased. She giggles and bites her fingernail. My confidence has increased. Reality is here. She is sexy with so many X's. Yes. I wrote it in my notes with a bunch of spaced out X's because it's like, she's totally leaning into the fantasy. She's leaning into cover it up, teasing, only showing a little bit of skin. And like, what are the benefits and costs of Janet finding sexual liberation considering that it's separate from brad post engagement i mean that would that opens up like a whole portal of <laughs> analyzing the patriarchy of the 70s so i don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole but <laughs> you know what i mean like if janet decides to be a single woman mm-hmm. in the times it could be seen as like someone who's being a spinster mm-hmm. or um, she could be seen as, I mean, honestly, even someone who is mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. They could put her in like a mental asylum. <laughs> um, I'm. It's like, it sounds so bizarre, but this is literally the times when they would Oh, you're not married? You can't take care of yourself. Yeah, well, not only that, but women who enjoyed sex were seen as hysterical, mm-hmm. which is a 
actual medical diagnosis that they would make. And the cure for being hysterical would be a hysterectomy. If you've ever wondered where that term (laughs) comes from, this is where it comes from. It cures you from being overly emotional or overly sexual. And that turned out to be bunk. Totally. Completely bunk. And the patriarchy is still trying to control our bodies. It's fine. Don't worry about I it. I thought you were going to say fine. also bunk. I mean that too. Yes. <laughs> the patriarchy is very bunk. I just, I wonder too if like, okay, we know Brad and Janet are crawling on the planet's face after mm-hmm. the castle takes off. Let's say best case scenario and none of the, like, shock treatment doesn't count. Let's say shock treatment is a different reality, different Brad and Janet. Like, what if Brad and Janet do come back together, and now Janet is able to, like, communicate her wants and needs and desires to Brad? And, like, there is some benefit to them going through this situation together because she can help him find himself because she has found herself yeah they can just help each other this was a strange occurrence to have to have to do on a saturday night randomly yeah (laughs) i too don't like to think of what happens to them after the movie because they feel so lost impacted but i also i want to start thinking in the sense of like what if they're not awful what if they end up like finding each other among the rubble embracing each other saying nothing will ever separate us ever again because this was the bond that we needed to be able to uh, open the floodgates and maybe now you can talk to janet brad maybe maybe just a little bit but janet is so She's embodied liberation. She shakes her hair out. She's so sexy. And she's done with being controlled by Brad or society's expectations of her or the patriarchy. I started thinking of, like, you know, second wave feminism because it was only in 73 that Roe v. Wade determined that women's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction was a, like, human right. And then 1974, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act became law in the U.S., which prohibited the discrimination in the consumer credit application process on the basis of sex, race, marital status, religion, origin, or age. And then U.S. First Lady Betty Ford in 74 was pro-choice, which was controversial. In uh, 1975, the Sex Discrimination Act and the Employment Protection Act became laws in the U.K., making it illegal to discriminate against women in education, career recruitment, and advertising, as well as making it illegal to fire a woman for being pregnant. So during this time of filming and of the show being staged a lot of women's rights were being upheld and it's it's a really incredible time for women 
And it's being reflected in Janet's coming to mm-hmm. and her awareness of her power. And it also just boggles my mind that, like, this movie's 45 years old and also not getting fired for being pregnant at your job. Like, that's only a 45-year-old law. Yep. I can't believe it. Isn't it great? The world, the way it evolves. (laughs) Janet also brings up reality, which, same, I often bring up the concept of reality. (laughs) But it's it's just so... I love that this movie starts to deal with metaphysics because it's so abstract and that's what allows all of us to have so many interpretations of what happens during this movie because that's like going over the concepts of being and knowing and cause and all right. identity all right, and all right, time all right. and space. Don't worry, we have more time to talk about this. There's more time. We have a couple more episodes. (laughs) I don't want it to be over. (laughs) Because I'm also starting to wonder if this was all a dream. Hmm. If, If the whole movie was a dream. And we'll get to it. Janet continues. The game has been disbanded. My mind has been expanded. It's a gas that Frankie's landed. His lust is so sincere. And she's using such a much more complex vocabulary. She's so witty and clever with her word usage and rhyming scheme. And it's so different from Damn It Janet. Yeah, so we, it, we see Brad reverting to that same rhyming scheme that he had before. And then Janet, who has evolved. Mm -hmm. She's like a completely different person. Like everything about how she moves and the way she's delivering these lyrics. She's found power and dominance and is able to express herself really thoroughly. Yes. As opposed to like bargaining for things to go back to how they were. (laughs) Like Brad. Does Janet know that she's the victim of a plot? The game has been disbanded. See, I always thought the lyrics were the gang has been disbanded. (laughs) So like me and Brad and Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott. Sure. We're not in it together anymore. Sure. We've been disbanded. And she's now thinking of bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. That's what I always thought that it was. Sure. But if it's a game, then maybe the game of life. Oh. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the game has been disbanded. Like, I'm not playing life anymore. Yeah. I'm not playing it. I'm it's living it. It's bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because then she talks about Frankie landing and, okay... Does it mean laid the seed? (laughs) See, I thought it was, it's a gas that Frankie's landed. Wow, I'm so glad that Frank came here because I wouldn't have figured all this out by myself. Yeah, showed her what she was missing. Mm -hmm. Well, how long do you think Frank has been on Earth? What do you think his mission really is? Like, do you think he is the full-time pastor at Denton Episcopalian and has been for the last 10 years? I think his mission originally was observe and report. 
Okay. I think that that is the Transylvanian way is way. voyeurism. Yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. And like report like broadcast back home. Or return the fuck back home. Or yeah, stop <laughs> fucking around on earth and get back home already. Because um, I'm wondering like how long he's been yeah. here. I feel like number one, longer than he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Number two, long enough that Riff and Magenta are completely sick of where they are. Oh, yeah. Number three, long enough to have put together a gang of people around him that include humans. Yeah, that's true. And he, well, I just think if he were the pastor at Denton Episcopalian, like, that's the perfect cover-up to, like, get to know the town, get Mm -hmm. them to trust you, buy into the sermons. Yep. And then... He turns, then if he starts like subliminally putting Transylvanian messages into his sermons, that's also a way of kind of taking over the planet. Subverting the the species. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Janet shows all of her goods after so tastefully teasing throughout her little, she does like steps. And, like, dips and drops, and steps and dips and drops. Mm-hmm. And when she's doing Her Mind Has Been Expanded, she uh, pops that booty. And you only get to see the goods for a minute before she covers it back up. But it's like there's so much going on. Like, you want to watch Susan Sarandon do a strip tease for 15 minutes, and then you're like, oh, yeah, Tim Curry's still in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, wait, we're watching that Rocky Horror movie still. I forgot we weren't just watching a sexy, like, people dancing sexy on stage. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, yeah, we got to go back into the plot, question mark? <laughs> because, so Janet blows a kiss to the audience and now she and Rocky are on stage right, and Brad and Columbia are on stage left. And we get a super long, like, ultra zoom from the back of the ballroom up the aisle as the curtains are rising behind them. Oh, this, I just, I, the thinking about what it looks like, it's so cool. It's so cute. It's so beautiful. Uh, and the silver curtains are like drapes, so they get like pulled upward, and we're getting like swept up into it. Like we're getting pulled in from the audience, and now we're right in front of Frankenfurter. There's the giant RKO radio picture tower. As a stage set that looks like it's currently broadcasting something. Yeah, you've got the light flashing on the top. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the beep, 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 which is our bonus episode of music. If you haven't heard it. <laughs> but it's, it makes me think that we are getting a broadcasted stream of this floor show. Like that's getting sent back to the home planet. Frank is standing on, like, a globe, like a black and white globe. He's in this red sequin corset and a gold 
Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Thank you. Fishnet armband on the other side. And he just needed it to match them, but he still needed to have, like, the flashiest costume. He also has a feather on his head. <laughs> and and stoles. He has mink. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a bunch of mink carcasses t- uh, sewn together. It's fun. Yeah. It's great. We love it. Like, he doesn't know that that isn't how you wear it. <laughs> right? Like, you get... you. I don't own furs, so I don't really have anywhere to talk on this subject. But yeah, I don't know what they normally look like, but I do don't Do they feel normally like... have the faces attached? And the feet? And the feet. Do they? Somebody email us. <laughs> like, so many feet. Like, he's pulling them off of his shoulder, and it's like, foot, 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 foot. <laughs> yeah, someone email us and tell us if they normally have faces and feet, please. <laughs> Richard originally wanted the 20th century fox logo mm, little little too on the nose <laughs> just a little you think i'm glad that you said it because i first i was like oh i love it it should have been uh, i feel like it's too much but imagine sitting there in 75 and then you're like wait a second is the movie starting over i'm confused why are we getting the logo again what is the like that is pretty funny. And then you'd be like, why is Frank standing in front of it? And then you'd have that mental mind fuck of like, wait a second. Is this the movie that I'm watching in the movie that I'm watching? <sighs> it's so interesting. And I think we are getting a live broadcast of this floor show. Frank is in front of the broadcast tower. And if we were shadow casting this scene Mm -hmm. frank would be center stage wait like just waiting just doing standing center stage all eyes are on you like this is frank's shining scene like sweet transvestites fun because he's wandering around so much and you get so much tim curry energy but this is like the ballad that standing there and just serving face it's great as janet do you wait on the side or do you go off stage i think i go off stage we gotta rest our feet sometimes guys i think i i think i go off stage because like all eyes are on frank anyway and i don't want to distract because this is like the pivotal moment of the movie this is arguably the most important part of the movie because this is the this is where we're getting like the key themes and the key character motivations and maybe even richard o'brien's ultimate sentiment is in this segment so like i don't want to distract i want people to be and if they're not watching the shadow cast this is one of those scenes where like if you're just watching the movie it's so good. You want to watch Tim. Tim you... is absolutely gorgeous in this. Ugh. Ugh. And so he sings. Whatever happened to Fay Ray? That delicate, satin-draped frame. And even though we've done that crazy zoom, we can still see Tim's expressions so clearly 
before we like next cut to close up. Um, an incredible actor. He's so good. Who is Faye Ray? I think we talked a little bit about her in her very, very first episode, but mm-hmm. I will give you a little refresher. Faye Ray is one of the original Scream Queens. Mm-hmm. She holds that crown. Uh, she was born in 1907 in, I want to say Ontario, definitely in Canada. Yeah, she's like very, very Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> but she's so famous. She's best known for starring as Anne Darrow in King Kong and actually appeared in her first film at the age of 16 and landed her first major role two years later in The Coast Patrol. She was selected, I think, that same year by the Western Association of Motion Picture Advertisers. That's a mouthful. As a baby star or... A woman they believe to be on the threshold of movie stardom. A title you would never be able to use in 2021. <laughs> a <This> baby is... <laughs> star. I hate it. Um, but they would women pick about babies. 15 yeah. to 20 women uh, every year that they were like, we think that these are going to be very famous people within the next five years. How nuts that they... I mean, I guess they do that. Still, it's called the Academy Awards, Mm. I guess. She then signed a contract with Paramount Pictures and helped them transition from silent films to talkies. Mm -hmm. Yes. She starred in Dr. X, Mystery of the Wax Museum, The Most Dangerous Game, and King Kong, all within the span of a year and a half. That's crazy. That's such a career. Oh, busy year. And Frank wanted to be her. Yes. In the movies. Like, he found his identity watching her. And he wanted her wardrobe. Hell yeah. (laughs) I think we all want her wardrobe. But as a young boy, recognizing that and seeing that it isn't a man that you're identifying with on screen, being like, no, I want to wear a dress. I want to... Like, the societal expectation of of men wearing dresses even now. Like... Straight guys can't wear dresses. The stigma attached to that is like, what? You can't wear a dress. Are you... Is that like a a cultural thing for you? Like men still... Or like, are you a drag queen? I hate that though. Yes. Clothes are clothes. Clothes are clothes. Wear what makes you feel comfortable. Literally. And skirts are so comfy. Oh my gosh. Just get a little bit of... A breeze. Movement? Yeah. A breeze. So nice. On a hot summer day. Frank continues. As it clung to her thigh, how I started to cry. For I wanted to be dressed just the same. This line breaks my heart a little bit every time I hear it. Yeah. Because we're ultra close up. So we're getting like... Frank has not been more honest with us in the whole movie because he's looking us dead in the face and he's telling us his like key character motivation when he has this like smile but his eyes are sad glassy like Mm -hmm. almost as if he's holding back tears so it's like you really feel exactly what he's talking about Mm mm-hmm 
And I'm wondering if this was also a key author intention. Yeah. That if, I don't know if Richard intended to create a universe, a community, and a lasting legacy that encourages men to indulge in their cross-dressing curiosities, or at least expose people and maybe normalize men embracing their femininity or or clothing not matter. Yeah. He kicks a lever that's the same style of lever that's on the control panel in the lab, and a section of the stage in front of Frank rises up and goes tor- outward toward the camera. Yeah. And, like, we all know there's a pool because we've seen the movie before, but, like, is it a cat? Like, I'm thinking, is Frank like catwalking now toward me across all this (laughs) all this fog like we don't see there's a pool yet yeah the pool hasn't been revealed so it's like is this just like a dramatic like (laughs) little extra section that he can walk forward onto yeah and it's so um oh 10 out of 10 well it also almost looks like it could be a set of stairs so i you know like it's like what what are you revealing to me? Yeah. What is that what is what is down there? What are you going toward? And it's so campy. It's so seventies for that like <laughs> to consider that a diving board comes out of the side of the pool. Perfect. <laughs> Flawless. Need one myself. <laughs> it's retractable. <laughs> and Frank starts just like sauntering down the diving board. He says, give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Swim the warm waters of sins of the flesh. We love sins of the flesh. Hell yeah. And he's straight up staring us down, seducing us, not breaking eye contact. And this is Frank's main motivation, like, as a... like, his mission motivation. Like, he wants to get everybody on the planet Earth to totally imbibe. And he doesn't know the repercussions. Because he doesn't know the repercussions of his own actions. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't see... He has no remorse for anything that he's done throughout this movie. So... He has no idea what suggesting these themes to humans, how reckless it could be. Well, in speaking to your idea that he possibly is the full-time pastor at Denton Episcopalian, (laughs) sins of the flesh is like a very commonly used term (laughs) in Mm -hmm. religion. And it's referring to like... it's like a metaphor to describe sinful tendencies. Sure. Um, usually like lust or sexuality. A lot of times like a kinship bond or a familial bond. And it's it's usually used in a very like negative connotation of like the flesh. Mm-hmm. The flesh is never a good thing in the Bible. Yeah, to <laughs> indulge in. No, just in general, anytime they refer to the flesh, it's always a bad thing. You can't look at the flesh. It'll tempt you too much. Yeah, even, like, I started thinking about voyeurism and how, like, in the Bible, that's a a no-no, too, that, like, looking at other women 
with lustful thoughts is a sin in and of itself. So, like, Frank is just saying, like, if looking and touching are just as bad, Why what's not? the harm? Just do it. <laughs> in doing it. If it's gonna, like, if either way, he continues, erotic nightmares beyond any measure and sensual daydreams to treasure forever. Just imagine a world of sexual fantasy. Why not just let yourself live a little, huh? <laughs> That's what Frank's saying. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> <laughs> and all, and he's not wrong, because, like, all of the bedroom scenes and, like, really any sexy moment of this movie, and even, like, the not-sexy moments, they're, like frames and images from this film that will be burned onto your brain forever like not to mention all of the enjoyment we get out of watching rocky horror oh yeah you know any of the fetishy sci-fi side kinks that any one of the characters explore like (laughs) it's so like frank is tell is like hey there's lots of opportunities out there Lots of options. Can't you just see it? He says, oh, 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 and takes the stole off of his off of his shoulders. He stretches and we switch camera angles now to like a God's eye view Mm -hmm. from the top of the theater. Smoke is surrounding Frank standing on the diving board. He throws the boa off and jumps into the smoke and just disappears. And we're like, did he jump into the bottom of the... Is there a hole in the ground? Where, Where did, did he, he go? go? <laughs> is this the end of the movie? <laughs> and then a grand harp starts to string and build and it billows away all of that smoke. And... We get what Lou Adler calls the million dollar shot of this movie of Frank lying in the life raft ring Mm -hmm. with the creation of Adam on the pool floor below him. It's so perfectly framed. He's smack in the middle of it. And because the frame is so like, I don't want to say it's empty because there's a lot to look at. But, like, there isn't a lot of action happening right now, so it really makes you pay attention to the sentiment that Frank is about to sing. But before that, just... Why is there a pool now? Yeah, where did this pool Where did this pool come, come from? from? <laughs> why? <laughs> Hello? It has no business being there. All this and a floor show and a pool? <laughs> Yeah, if you guys got hot, we're going to take a dip a little later. Cool it down. The portrait on the pool floor is the creation of Adam. Yeah, ceiling. it's on the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. So it's it's done by Michelangelo, mm-hmm. not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so basically, the Pope was like, hey, I want you to do all this work for me 
I want you to decorate the Pope's tomb, which like took I don't know, like 40 years or something for him to oh do. Something insane. But he also was contracted to do the Sistine Chapel's ceiling, the fresco. And it's not just the creation of Adam, even though that's kind of the most famous of the pieces. Uh-huh. Um, it's 500 square meters of fresco. That's a, that's a huge, I can't huge even imagine how big that is. Amount of space. It took four years to do. And it's like over 300 figures. Like cherubs and angels and... And people and... People. and like 300 figures. <sighs> In the center grouping, which is the one that the... Uh, creation of adam is in Mm -hmm. that's the book of genesis that's being explored there Mm -hmm. so there's like god's creation of earth god's creation of humankind and then their fall from grace and then the state of humanity as represented by noah and his family Mm. so it's it's all the good stuff is in that section Mm -hmm. um you see god and adam reaching for each other but not quite touching they just just the tips no they're not touching at all they're like pointing at each other basically because their hands are like in a relaxed state except for just their pointer fingers and there's just a little teensy bit of a gap because we're always reaching for it yes michelangelo wanted to make sure that people understood that we may be created in God's image, but we are not on the same level as God. It's mm-hmm. not like a portrait where two men are shaking hands so you know that they're on the same level. Uh-huh. It's that we're always striving for and reaching for Godliness. God. Sure. Um, so it's kind of very interesting that in between their hands, who's floating there connecting the two of them? Frankenfurter. Frankenfurter. <laughs> yes. And it's also almost subverting the meaning that he put it on the floor of his pool. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing a lot of ungodly acts and not just of the sexual nature. Like, he's been messing around with the creation of life uh, that is very alien. But it's, I think Frank just sees it as another piece of art to collect. Yes. We've seen him collect so many other pieces of art that it's like... He doesn't understand the sentiment behind this piece, I don't think. And he's not even... It's just... It's only for this shot. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're swimming in the pool, if you're floating in the pool, you're looking up at your ceiling, you're not going to look down at the gorgeous painted mural on the floor of your pool... It's no. just so... Um, Bizarre. Yeah. Valueless. Because you can only see it if you're standing on the roof and looking <laughs> down at it. The pool is gold tiled with three ladders on the bottom of it for the gang to use to get out of the pool for the kick line. And Frank is looking straight at the camera. He says, don't dream it, be it. Don't dream it, be it. And the camera drops down on Frank in the pool. Uh, It's just so... The pacing changes 
at this moment. It becomes very dreamlike. Very dreamlike, yes. And everything leading up to this moment has been so chaotic and frenzied. And now we're floating in a pool and we're relaxed. And we're going to just talk about the meaning of life. Don't dream it, be it, okay? (laughs) This whole story is kind of an Aesop because while some things aren't for everybody, given the duality of Brad's poor experience compared to Janet's like coming into power, Mm -hmm. the film offers no real judgment. It rather is advocating for exploration regardless of its of its outcome. Yes. I think it's an important sentiment. This is the this is the statement that like people have like tattoos of and artwork of and the set the sentence lives separately from the movie. Yes. Don't dream it be it. It's so such an inspiration. Yeah, it's so touching on a deep level because without having to name your dreams, without having to talk to somebody about what you secretly want and your secret desires, like you know what they are. You know your dreams. So just go do it. You know what you need to do to accomplish your dreams, so you should just pursue it then. As Frank is repeating his mantra, it's almost as if the rest of the crew becomes even more entranced. Uh Uh-huh, like hypnotized. Yes. Oh, yeah. Columbia and Brad turn around to face the camera and start singing with him. Don't dream it. And then Janet and Rocky start walking towards the pool. Be it. And they're like... So Frank is like floating totally unaware in that ss titanic life ring as a sinking ship about to go down i think (laughs) and yeah he like motions all of them to come in they all jump into the pool from one end or the other and they are acting like they're brainwashed for sure but they do you i also think they could just be like high out of their minds they could be could they be because like heroin is the more heavily referenced drug throughout the film is it heroin are they high on heroin i don't know it's hard it's hard to say because heroin kind of creates this like false sense of like joy and it you know causes you to release well, it causes your body and your brain to release dopamine and, like, kind of gives you that rush mm-hmm. of, um, like, kind of blind joy. Okay. Um, it can cause you to, like, flush, like, your, your face to become, like, flushed. And it can cause, like, dry mouth and, like, heavy feeling in the extremities, which we're kind of seeing as they're moving sauntering towards the pool but they seem very heavy as they're doing it Uh uh-huh yeah and they're also i i love that you said that there's like a flushing of the skin because that's a rose tint Mm -hmm. yeah exactly um they continue to sing don't dream it be it and frank columbia brad janet and rocky 
entangle with their arms around all each other. There's just general kissing going on. Mm -hmm. Total orgy scene. Like, (laughs) 16-year-old me was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm not, this isn't, I don't think this is interesting. When I'm, like, secretly (laughs) waiting for Janet and Columbia to kiss the whole time. (laughs) We have Rocky swimming under the water with just legs going everywhere. Yes. Brad and Columbia licking Frank's pearls. Janet goes, it almost looks like she's going in to kiss Brad, but he's too busy with the pearls. So she then goes for Columbia. And there was, like... Definitely some sexual tension between Columbia and Janet. <laughs> because she said slowly, slowly, There's that's too nice a job to rush. I mean, Janet is mwah, flawless. Oh, yeah. They're both babes. Yes. That's why, like, I think they were both looking at each other like, All right. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after she watches Janet hook up with Rocky. Yeah, totally. Like, I think so. Like, they were definitely curious. <laughs> And this whole scene is just normalizing experimentation without expectation. They are literally trying out the waters, dipping their toes in, or diving straight up into the deep end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. I had to. I had to go for it. (laughs) They continue to say, don't dream it, be it. And we cut back to Dr. Scott who is fully dressed and it's just so comical because the glasses are like sitting on his stone face. (laughs) He's just, they forgot about him. Frank totally forgot about him. Wasn't planning on going back to him. I don't know what he was planning on doing with him at all, honestly. (laughs) Like, I don't know if he thought that I'm going to abduct him. Like, he's stuck yeah, now. I don't know. He got rid of the uh, rival scientist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to see my home planet so bad? Great. First class trip. Medusa. <laughs> the Medusa switch falls on its own. Just falls. <laughs> what is this faulty science? Why? What is the, sec- the security of this switch Who that made just this? defaults like that? And Dr. Scott comes to life. He, it's almost like he's continuing the monologue that he got caught, cut off on <laughs> in the lab of like, they have the audio molecular physio device. <laughs> he says, Ah, we've got to get out of this trap. And we cut to underwater Brad smiling and swimming. (laughs) Before this decadence saps our will. Like, I think Frank is dramatic, but Dr. Scott is so dramatic. Very dramatic. Like, he's like, oh, this is bad, guys. This is worse than I could have ever imagined. This is really bad. And It's really bad. We're not going to be able to control ourselves pretty soon. Like, we're going to be completely brainwashed. Does he think that's what happened to Columbia? I don't know. I have no idea what Dr. Scott thinks. I think he's a crazy old man. (laughs) 
Because he's also, I think he's pretending he's not interested in the fun orgy happening in the pool. Yeah. He's like, what? Uh, we, we, uh, we gotta get out of here. Uh, if I can't be a part of that, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> he says, I've gotta be strong and try to hang on. As he flubbers his, like, upper lip and his mustache moves. <laughs> It's like six inches around his face. It just goes all over the place. Is he starting to feel the effects of uh, whether it's heroin or being demedusid? Maybe. He's also battling with those inner morals of his. Oh, yeah. That are dictated by toxic masculinity. Janet is not the only character who gets challenged with reexamining how she fits into society. I think they're all coming to terms with it. Yeah, totally. Totally. I feel like every, at least every one of the human characters is re-examining what it means to be a human. Oh my gosh. The poor things. (laughs) They're going to be thinking about it for a long time. We cut back to... The pool underwater where everyone's just like swimming over each other and licking each other. And then a heel is just floating there. (laughs) Dr. Scott says, or else my mind may well snap. I don't know why he thinks homosexual tendencies are psychotic. Well, if we're going with the idea that he is a Nazi doctor... Yeah. Um, The Nazis were, let's just say, not very nice. They were evil to homosexuals. To homosexuals. Um, Evil. Yes, absolutely, completely evil. Uh, Horrible, horrible, horrible people. Um, They took gay men and, to a lesser extent, uh, gay women and not only put them in concentration camps, but just kind of sent them all to trial. And some of them went to prison, some of them went to concentration camps, some of them were just executed on the spot. Uh, Instead of wearing the Star of David on their clothing, they would wear a pink triangle uh, to signify that they were gay. Um, They burned books about homosexuality and just human sexuality in general. Like, not even, not even just gay stuff, but, like, all of it. They were like, it talks about sex, burn it. We can't have liberation. Yeah. It, no. They compiled lists of, of gay clubs and, and known homosexuals, and they would go after them. And I don't want you to think that this is just, like, a couple people. This is, like, a hundred thousand men that were arrested. And they would use them as target practice on shooting ranges. They were used as test subjects for Nazi doctors to find a cure for homosexuality. These were not people who were just, you know. Like they were target practice. That's insane. They would literally aim for the pink triangles on their shirts. Oh my gosh. Just absolutely horrible. and um, Crimes against humanity. Total crimes against humanity. If you want to know more, it gets worse. I'm not going to say it on here because this is not a true crime podcast. And it's really gross. 
Um, but if you if you want to learn more, the, the, it's all over the internet. It's important history that we shouldn't forget because it makes us uncomfortable. Yes. Oh, gosh. And Dr. Scott, if he is... Um, if he is a former Nazi doctor, it would explain his entire feeling towards yeah. all of this. Yeah. I I don't like thinking that he's evil, but I mean that's how the character is being written. Okay. That's all I'm gonna that's say. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say he might be evil. He is getting like loopier and loopier and like slowly coming to terms with the situation he says and my life will be lived and he raises he pulls aside the blanket and has a fish netted leg for the thrill (laughs) and is like caressing his leg very sensually yeah well it's like He's shocked. He's shocked, and I don't know if it's because he can't move his legs and now he can move his legs, which is, I think, how I've always interpreted it. Was he gets demedusid, the strange magic. He's no longer, he no longer needs to be wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. Okay, this, I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't, I want to be sensitive about this because I don't want to be offensive. But he doesn't get out of his wheelchair after floor show like he stays in his wheelchair for the rest of the takeover and then he still leaves in the wheelchair Mm -hmm. so like i just don't know to what extent he's like actually able to walk because i do think he is an homage character to dr strange love a billion percent because um Okay, you need to watch Doctor Strangelove if you haven't because it's so good. Oh my gosh, Slim Pickens is fucking so funny. And Peter Sellers is playing three different characters. And one of them is an ex-Nazi scientist who is now working in, like, you know, the secret sanctum military base. And he is also wheelchair-bound. And he convinces the entire group of men to, um, he, or he convinces the president of the United States into selective breeding, which is like a Nazi, like, selection of the fittest ideology belief. Really gross. Yeah. But he talks the group of men into it because he's like the trope of a genius cripple, like... He's the smartest in the room and they all believe him. And then as soon as he convinces everybody to do this, surprise, he actually can walk. Peter Sellers gets out of the wheelchair and says, Mein Fuhrer, I can walk. And that's how, well, it's a movie that came out in the 60s. So if I just spoiled the ending for you, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But he walks. And I think Dr. Scott can walk. Do you think Dr. Scott can walk? If we're going off of the statements, then yes. Because I think he could, I think he participates in the floor show. I don't know. But then there's also, like, not a limit on disability. Yeah. You know, like, maybe he can't walk for long periods of time. 
Maybe yeah. he feels more comfortable in his wheelchair because it is painful for him to walk. You know? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, absolutely. We can't judge. No. I do want to know why he would be working on an audio vibratory device if that's like alien technology that we should be concerned of them having. Like this is this is crazy technology. I can't believe. Oh, the, oh, whoa. <laughs> and like it's kind of suspicious that he is aware of this technology. Like, is he aware of something the military is working on? Hmm. He knows that uh, live television is taking over the world. Mm-hmm. And that, along with that, advertisements. <laughs> um, after Dr. Scott has realized he's in fishnets... Because, or revealed that he is in fishnets. Because he may have been wearing them the whole time. Totally could have if the if they didn't uh, put the fishnets on under the Just blanket. Just saying. Just saying. We cut back to Colombian Brad in the pool, making out. Making out. They raise up their heads and Brad, he's like practically drowning. He's gasping for air and she just keeps pushing him back under. But he says, it's beyond me. Help me, mommy total regression like he's not even coming up with new thoughts anymore he's just repeating himself janet's repeat not repeating herself no rocky doesn't talk (laughs) so (laughs) um and i think this whole scene like there's so much sexual tension between the characters um because they've all been running around in their underwear all night and Mm -hmm. like seeing each other in their Various states of nudity. Yep. And it's also like a horny high schooler's dream to have this like rigged truth or dare (laughs) or spin the bottle or like seven minutes in heaven. Like they just want to make out with each other and see what they like. Totally. I don't know if Brad's also saying it's beyond me. Like how am I making out with Columbia right now? (laughs) Like, I, they were virgins at the start of this movie. I don't think Brad has kissed any other girl other than Janet. I mean, maybe. And now Columbia. Colum- or, well, Frank, then Columbia. She's technically his third kiss. Columbia pulls Brad back down into the pool and kisses him again. <laughs> the camera pans over to a thrilled Janet. <laughs> And Frank goes to kiss her shoulder, but it's also like he gets a big gulp of pool water at the same time. (laughs) Or he really hates the way that her skin tastes, and he just... (laughs) (laughs) Janet says, God bless Lily St. Cyr, who was a model, actress, burlesque artist, and sex worker, active from 1937 to 1965. Um... She was a ballerina in her youth, but then became like a chorus girl in Hollywood. Yes. And started stripping at the music box, uh, which is now known as the Fonda Theater in Hollywood. She's considered one of the most well-known burlesque artists of all time. Yes. Alongside Gypsy Rose Lee and Ann Corio. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard the name Gypsy Rose Lee, Um, but... Lily St. Cyr 
may not have her name her name may not have survived for as long as Gypsy Rose Lee's has but Lily St. Cyr was the one who came up with like the bathtub routine where she undresses from one thing and gets into the bubbly bathtub and then gets out and she's in whatever that was Lily St. Cyr's act you know who she is yeah, because she was she was often billed as the anatomic bomb. Yes, which like <laughs> wow, what a name. Yes, and she was actually arrested and taken to court by a customer who'd considered her act lewd and lascivious. <laughs> she beat the charges, by the way. Good. Released. Good. She better <laughs> strong woman back in the. 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s um she had some minor roles in in actually a lot of films but her acting career never quite took off and she passed away in los angeles in 1999 never had any kids um but was married six different times good for her Mm -hmm. good for her she yeah knew what she liked so when she was ready to move on she was (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she once told a reporter that if she'd ever wanted any children, she would have adopted. And uh, what is this about, Elvira? Yes. So, fun fact, Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. the Mistress of Darkness herself, Elvira, <laughs> achieved her trademark cleavage by wearing a Lily St. Cyr deep plunge bra. Hey. Perfect. Famous cleavage. Oh, uh, perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think Janet's got to be referencing her because she embraced her sexuality, was widely renowned as a, an amazing burlesque artist, and Janet's just like coming to terms with the power of her sexuality and tapping into it. Mm-hmm. I also love that she's like, thank God women started doing this. Right? For even, if not for her own sake of performing burlesque, for maybe her to enjoy other women doing burlesque. Yes. Because why does Janet know Lily St. Cyr? Does that mean that she knew of her before the events? Like, is this a memory that's coming out of the Medusa state? Or, because, like, that's not like Frank programmed that memory into her right like what janet do you have something to tell us does she secretly want to has all have all of these all this time has she been wanting to be a burlesque dancer oh let's hope i mean she gets her she gets what she wants after uh we get all of these folks just having fun in a pool we cut back to dr scott caressing his fish netted (laughs) leg astounded still He's still rubbing that leg. <laughs> He's just like, he can't believe it. He can't believe his eyes. <laughs> and with that, that ends our segment. That felt like the fastest seven minutes. It's the, f- oh, it's so fun. I love performing floor show. I think it's the moment that nobody wants to be accidentally like getting their water refilled seriously or anything like if this you is miss the... out you have royally screwed up yeah because it goes so quick too as soon as we started talking about it already we're moving on to wild and untamed thing 
Wow. But we'll get to that next time. Yeah. Until then, you can find us on Instagram at Time Warp Radio. You can send us an email and let us know your deepest, darkest secrets at timewarpradiopod at gmail.com. Our blog is timewarpradio.blogspot.com. We are on Twitter. We are Time Warp Rad Pod. Rad Pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so excited to uh, keep talking about Floor Show. I'm so happy it's not just one segment. I'm Seriously. glad that we get to like live in the corsets and fishnets for a couple episodes. <laughs> so don't forget, on, on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, we, we watch, watch Rocky. Rocky. Bye. Bye. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out, and we appreciate all your feedback. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.